Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. Hello, and welcome to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. I am your host, Victoria Collier. Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading-edge boomers and seniors addressing issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. Each show, we also salute the life of a senior. And today, we will be talking about health care and decisions based on religion. And with us today are Daphne Riley, co-author of A Tapestry of Love, and Valerie Wages from Tom M. Wages Funeral Services in Snellville and Lawrenceville. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you, Victoria. Absolutely. And so, Daphne, I want to get started with you and your book. And so it's actually, the long title is A Tapestry of Love, The Spirituality of Caregiving. And what inspired you to write this book? What inspired me was the fact that I moved through my own caregiving experience with my mother, um, sans spiritual support. And I came to the end of that uh, at the end of her life with the realization that I missed out on what could have been an incredible experience for me spiritually on my own path, not to mention the care of my mother. Um, as I re-entered the organized religion scene, I began to realize that a lot of caregivers are stuck at home. And they lose that support that they've had probably for years from their spiritual community. And my co-author and I, Joe LaGuardia, started working together, developing a caregiver ministry at each of our churches. And we decided that perhaps we ought to write a book about this and get the word out there along with spiritual practices that caregivers can use on a daily, hourly, moment-by-moment -moment basis to keep them going. So let's go back for a second mm -hmm. when you said that you were the caregiver of your mother. Yes. Um, and so what kind of um, disability did your mom have? My mother developed Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. um, she lived with it for almost 10 years. I became her guardian and conservator the last four years. Okay. Yeah. So really entrenched in her care. And yes. from what I heard you say, you said something like, you know, you had a support system before, but once you became a caregiver, it sounds like it was all consuming. It is. You know, you, especially if you become a legal guardian, um, everything falls on your plate. There's not a whole lot that you can divvy up with other people. So you do become entrenched in kind of your routines of what you do, uh, where you go, what help you do seek. And the focus of all that is generally the person you're caring for. So like most caregivers, you know, I stopped taking care of myself and, and getting the food that I needed to get. And some of that food is just staying connected with God or the higher being oh. or... Absolutely. You know, at one point, um, I had basically just stopped praying and prayer in my life had always been a major factor in keeping me on the track. And right after she passed away, um, 
I became involved with a congregation in Decatur, and that just re-blossomed, I guess. It was reawakened in me mm-hmm. and fed me in a way that I had been missing. Mm-hmm. And when people are, you know, feeling like they're not connected, it certainly can lead to loneliness and depression. And Absolutely, absolutely. If you don't feel connected either to God or to a wider family circle or a circle of friends or a, f- a faith community, you do. You become isolated and in that isolation prone to get angry. And when a caregiver gets angry, it's not pretty. <laughs> well, they start resenting the person they love that they Absolutely. have to, that they have to take care of. Absolutely. Um, and so how does your book help with caregivers and having that reconnection? Um other, you know, we, we provide inspiration. We tie it to scripture uh where Jesus visited uh Mary and Martha and We've novelized that interaction a bit at the beginning of each chapter. That was kind of fun. Um, recreating. Yes, recre- <laughs> cre- creatively recreating. <laughs> um, that said, beyond the inspirational part of it, we actually provide um, concrete practices that you can get in the habit of of having in your life. And that includes... Doing things with the person you're taking care of. as And, and before we go on, let me remind mm-hmm. our listeners what we're listening to. And then I really want to get into the examples in your book mm-hmm. um, and the story about Martha and Mary. Mary. <laughs> so you're listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier, with guests Daphne Riley, author of Tapestry of Love, and Valerie Wages of Tom M. Wages Funeral Services. And so as a guide for caregivers, go on and tell examples of how Mary and Martha Martha, uh, show us, you know, how we can resent and how we can open up and give and receive. Sure. Um, In um, Scripture, we are told a story of when Jesus and several of his disciples had been on the road, and literally in that time, you were walking, Uh, and they were looking forward to visiting with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So in our novelization of that interaction, we imagined, you know, the busy household. Um, In that time, it fell to the women to prepare and in that time, <laughs> still sometimes today, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yes, women are caregivers still by and large oh, today. Intrinsically. So. Yes. yes. Um, so Martha is the elder sister and Mary's the younger. Um, so we envisioned Martha scurrying around, preparing all of Jesus's favorite foods. And at the time, you know, it would have been over hot fires, you know, hot masonry ovens, um, all of that. And so we talked about Mary's frustration. I mean, excuse me, Martha's frustration with Mary that she was kind of sitting there daydreaming and, and not physically helping out. So Mary's taking it easy and just uh, kind of waiting for the arrival. Oh, yes. While Martha is preparing every detail of every, you know, piece of the meal to include absolutely. the tablecloth and everything. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, to cut to the, 
present, that's kind of a normal thing. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm Martha or, or I'm Mary. And what we try and bring out in the book is that in actuality, we're all both. So what you're trying to say is people identify with Martha saying, you know, we need to prepare. You need to do something. Get right. up and do something. Right. Help me with this. Other people are Mary, where they're just kind of like, look, it's going to take care of itself. They're going to be here. And, you know, our focus is actually on them, not the stuff around it. Is exactly. That, okay. Exactly. And if. And then they don't understand each other. So that's oh, where family dynamics comes in to, you know, blow <laughs> blown up proportions. <laughs> absolutely. And we include some of that in the book. The interaction uh, between Mary and Martha is not always understanding and compassionate, you know, like we would we would hope. And then we actually throw Jesus into the mix. You know, we take <laughs> that step. And where in Scripture, Jesus rebukes Martha and says that Mary has chosen the better portion, we go into that. We visit that. And why was what Mary did, which was to sit at Jesus' feet, the better portion at that moment? And what that represents is the ability to be present. It doesn't matter. Just like you said, all the stuff that we do, yes, they were hungry. Yes, their feet were dirty. Yes, they were thirsty. But all in all, what they shared with Jesus on a one-to-one basis, the conversation would feed them for years. And often when we are caring for another person, and I've heard this said, I don't know what to say to them. You know, I don't have any, you know, we don't have anything to talk about or they wouldn't understand me. And I think it goes right to what you're saying is you don't have to say anything. It's just being there and being present. In my own experience in visiting uh, people in nursing homes, and I will sit there with the caregiver who's there, and I'll come in, and we've got the person in the bed, and I always happen to carry a, a little, my little pink soft-covered Bible with me, and my favorite book is the Psalms, and everybody has a favorite Psalms that has any familiarity with Scripture. And I always offer to read something. What can we share? Would you like to read something? Or, you know, and it, it evolves into this beautiful time together because after you've read something like that, there's always this draw that you feel that you can share something that you would normally not have shared had not those words been introduced into the conversation. So at home with a caregiver and a care receiver, that can be something that can be done. That's a special time every day that can be done. And both people get fed in that process. Things get shared. And I know when I say that to people who are living with someone, caring for someone that has dementia and has lost so much ability to communicate, I encourage them, please, you know, continue to do that. Because in my direct experience, those words get past the plaques and the tangles. And it is a miracle when you see a person sit up and take notice and lean forward and they, they're receiving that. 
And certainly with the senior population today and still ongoing, it's something familiar to them. Absolutely. I'm not sure we could say that so much about today's population uh, or the younger one. I'm hopeful that we can, but, but certainly, and you hear it from people who work at like assisted living facilities and nursing homes. Once they put those old hymns on and things like that, people just come alive. Yes. Who were not before, you know. Right. Um, And so you had mentioned that that was void in your life while you were a caregiver. Mm -hmm. But you've also been the recipient of care. And so (laughs) (laughs) how does this book help for those who are recipients of care? Those who are receiving care um, can benefit from this book in that I mean, the the exercises, the practices that we suggest in the book aren't limited just to caregivers. Anyone can do these and have a richer relationship with God. For care receivers, it's something that they can actually suggest be shared Mm -hmm. with the caregiver. And in that, there's a lot of relief that comes. There's a lot of identification that comes that, you know, we're on this journey together. It's not you or me, it's you and me. And that's an important thing to remember, whether you're a family member taking care of another family member or you're a perfect stranger. And you actually have a another book coming out specific yes. to the receiving of care, correct? Yes, we do. Um we're looking we're working we're still writing on it. Um we're hoping it will be published in August. And probably what is, the mid of August. And what is the tentative name of that book? Can you share <laughs> that yet for our listeners to get the inside scoop? Well the tentative title is Taking It to Heart. Okay. Yeah. You are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier, with guest Daphne Riley talking about her book the her book that she co-authored with Joseph LaGuardia, Tapestry of Love. And so, Daphne, you've got this first book intended mm-hmm. for caregivers. Mm-hmm. You have another book that you're writing in order in intended for the receivers of care. Right. Did the first book inspire the second book? Absolutely. And again, I'd like to go back for a second. So you were void of that opportunity, that experience of really being able to take care of yourself while you're taking care of someone else. Right. Um, and after your mother passed away, you mm-hmm. said that you dove right back into um, a community that could support you. Right. And what have you done professionally with that that, that experience. support and that experience? <laughs> exactly. Well, um, shortly after I joined a community of faith, um, after my mother's death, I began a study program at uh, Columbia Seminary here in Decatur called the Certificate in Spiritual Formation and graduated from that in 2010. Um, and the experience of delving into how to direct my own spiritual path, how to identify um, my own relationship with God really opened my eyes to just how much I had missed with caregivers. Um, Shortly after I completed that study of program, I was actually licensed as a minister in the church. Um, And with that, I worked with Joe. That's when we met 
um, to develop a caregiver spiritual support ministry that is still ongoing. Um, we reach out to caregivers both in the community of faith and beyond the walls. Basically to help people understand that they don't have to be alone and isolated. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Well, how can people get a copy of your book? Where would they find that? Well, a couple of different places. You can go, well, three different places. You can go straight to Amazon.com and just, you know, search for a tapestry of love and it comes right back up. We're real happy about that. And we also have a website. Uh, it's www.atapestryoflove.com which is also a blog. It's a resource uh, website, and there's a direct uh, point-and-click kind of connection to order the book. And we also have a Facebook page, and um, it's a tapestryoflove.com too. Excellent. And it's actually on my website as well. We link to it because mm-hmm. I totally support the information that's in this book. Thank so, you. You're welcome. And thank you for being here. And you are listening to Senior Salute Radio. And our next guest is Valerie Wages of Tom M. Wages Funeral Services, located in both Snellville and Lawrenceville. Thank you for being here, Valerie. Thank you, Victoria, for having me today. Absolutely. And with regard to the you know re- topic of religion and caregiving, often with funerals, you have to be cognizant of what someone's religious background or faith is in order to do a proper funeral service. Is that correct? That's correct, especially today. You know, Gwinnett County and the surrounding counties, we're a very multicultural greater Atlanta area today. So it's one of the reasons I love it so much. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we are a melting pot. There's no doubt about it. And with that, you know, we as funeral service professionals have to be aware of the different cultures and, you know, rituals that those family members want to carry out at the time of the death of a loved one. Now, Tom M. Wages has been a funeral service in our community for a long time. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the history of... Yeah, my dad uh, started our family business back in 1949. He was the youngest of 11 children raised on a farm in Decula, Georgia. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know where Decula, they call it Dracula, usually, <laughs> but it is Decula, Georgia. But always wanted to be a funeral director. Even when he was a little boy, he uh, would make a little cemetery and get my grandmother's um, uh, linens and my grandfather's toolbox and make little coffins, bury cats really? and dogs. Any influence? I mean, any that y'all can point to? That he- <laughs> Nothing that young ago. But he always had the caregiving side to them. And I think with our profession, it is a ministry. You have to be drawn to it, all of us. Uh, listen to Daphne, our caregivers, you know, but unfortunately we're giving our caregiving time to those family members left behind at mm-hmm. probably the most difficult time in their life when they've lost someone to death. So mm-hmm. we're caregivers and it's a ministry as well. Absolutely. But 49, uh, I went to school. I have a brother-in-law, my sister, and uh, I'm the oldest of five, and uh, several of us are involved in the family business. So we've been here since 1949 and Watched the changes, you know, over the years. And uh, it used to be just Protestant families we serve. And then Catholic churches started coming about. And now there's probably nine areas of different ethnic groups that we serve mm-hmm. around the land area today. So let's talk about the differences in the customs with regard to funeral, burial, cremation. Okay. Based on those nine different mm-hmm. most common areas, I see that one that's not on here that I may ask you about later is, well, I'll 
keep you on the edge of your seat. So, uh, okay. so let's go through the nine. You mentioned Protestant first because that's the most long-standing one that your f- services have long-standing been long-standing one in Protestant is, of course, like Baptist faith, Methodist, your Presbyterian, Lutheran, and Episcopalians. But, you know, uh, Lutheran and Episcopalians are kind of close to a lot of the rituals in the Catholic funeral. So you have the Protestant, the Roman Catholic, uh, Hispanic funeral, uh, a Jewish funeral, Buddhist funerals where you're handling, Hindu, uh, Asian, there's different groups of Asian sects or cultures, uh, Muslims, uh, we have a lot of Muslim families living in the area, and then, of course, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon funeral. So those are the nine main areas of cultures and uh, ethnic groups that we're seeing that we're serving today. So let's take each of them apart okay. and highlight the main factors of each or the characteristics and mm-hmm. what some absolutely have to do, what some cannot do. Right. Uh, so because... While we may know our own faith and what we do, mm-hmm. we do still have friends and colleagues where we go to other funerals. And in fact, I was reading one of the things on here that you had outlined for us uh, in advance that really surprised me about the Jewish funerals. And we'll get to there when you yeah, talk about that. Right. But yeah. um, so let's talk about the Protestant first. Okay. And let me set a little base here. You know, as we counsel with families, uh, you know, we always let them know that there's really five main forms of what we call disposition. Uh, are you going to bury the loved one? Are you going to do a cremation? A lot of families will donate the person that requests to don- their, donate their body to medical study. Uh, also, green burial, uh, eco-friendly green, they're calling it today. And then the, the latest one we're looking at is uh, alkaline hydrolysis, what they're calling the green cremation. That's where you reduce the body by steam and water instead of flame, as you do in traditional cremation. I so, had no idea. Yeah. So when we consult with families, you know, all of us need to consider what we're going to do with this old shell of a body when we go and we right. go home to our Heavenly Father. So those are the five things. But then we have to look at what are we going to do beyond or ahead of those five dispositions. And that's where the different services and rituals come in. Protestants, you know, really Protestants, uh, we see a lot of burial. Cremation is on the rise today. We're doing probably 50% cremation today. Uh, also, uh, viewing, a uh, visitation time is very important to the Protestant face. Uh, closed casket or open casket, totally up to the family. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, whatever burial site. Um, we advise our families like someone that's a veteran. Uh, we have a national cemetery at Canton, Georgia, right. and any veteran can be buried there free of charge. Uh, burial urn, uh, urn into a columbarium or actual ground burial with a casket going in a vault provided by the government. Mm-hmm. So Protestants can kind of go in any direction they want, but of course the Baptists will do it one way, the Methodists another, Presbyterian, but those are those individual rites or rituals that are conducted in those Protestant churches. Mm-hmm. And so then how does that differ from, like, the Roman Catholic funerals? Well, recently the Roman Catholic, you know, um, they've released the fact that you can do more cremation. So before that was kind of seen as prohibitive. Right. It was like, you know, it. body in a casket to the church for funeral mass. But now, and a lot of time with each Catholic church, we visit with that priest, that father, because uh, they will kind of dictate to us what their protocol is at that particular Catholic church. But now you can even take an urn into church. 
And they actually have a small pall that goes over the urn, whereas if we brought a casket, it would be a full pall, you know, draping that body, that casket coming into church. And what was interesting to me when I was reviewing this is that my dad died in January of 2013, Mm -hmm. and we knew he was going to be cremated. Right. But we didn't really meet ahead of time, uh, you know, to make the plans. And literally, we're sitting there, and we're in the merchandise room, if you will. selection room, right. (laughs) The selection room. Uh And we see these little bitty, you know, urns or little bitty Uh containers and the boxes. And literally at that point, emotion came over me. I'm like, but I want a little bit. I want a little bit. But I see here the Roman Catholics cannot apportion the cremated remains. They don't want you to apportion. They want you to keep Mm -hmm. all the cremated remains together, whereas the Protestants, uh, we even do... Necklaces. Uh, necklaces with <laughs> cremated right. remains. That's right. Thumbprints of the loved one. Yes, we got my father's thumbprints as yep. well. And Someday I'll have, um, um, what are these called? Uh, like uh, a ch- cufflinks. Char- cufflinks. <laughs> you know, so. and, and what we're seeing is, and a lot of this, the, the new thoughts that are coming, it's very generational. Mm-hmm. You know, if I mentioned a thumbprint to someone that came up during the Depression, World War II, they would think I was crazy. Right. So we're starting to be dictated by the generations that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell my brother and nephew, I said, you know, guys, one day you're going to have to be ready to get the white tent, go up in the mountain, take the bus of people up, have the champagne reception, and then we're going to scatter the cremated remains because that's how different it's becoming, uh, right. the wishes of friends and family members. Well, yeah. I know several years ago when I started my law firm mm-hmm. and we go to these events and there's lots of different providers. Mm-hmm. And one of the providers I saw probably 10 years ago was where they put the cremated remains in um, coral reefs. reefs. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard of that in the last couple of years, uh-huh. several years, but I imagine that's still, still there. One of the echo green type mm-hmm. uh, options. Companies right out of Decatur, Georgia. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Uh-huh. I have to look back into that. <laughs> so Hispanic burials, you mentioned that. Now, they're akin to, you know, Catholic burials. Akin to Catholic. You know, you're going to see a, a viewing, visitation, probably a wake or rosary prayer service the evening before. And then what you're going to see is going to church uh, to get full funeral mass or the requiem when we go to church. But there are families now that are opting to have the service in the chapel. And a deacon will come and do like the service in the chapel area of a funeral home. But the Hispanic family is very traditional, burial. Uh, we do a lot of foreign loved ones back, you know, to Mexico. Uh, we forward loved ones to Ethiopia, Afghanistan, all over the world, because that just shows you what a melting pot we are here in the greater Atlanta area. And that people want to return home. W- want to go home. As well. Yeah, want to go home. You are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. And we are listening now to Valerie Wages of Tom M. Wages talking about decisions at death based on religion. And so, Valerie, you know, the Jewish burial, mm-hmm. funeral, um, kind of surprised me a little bit. Tell me some of the things that they can and, and do, don't do. Well, you do have like the, you know, Orthodox Jew, Jewish faith and then Reformed. But uh, Orthodox Jewish, you know, flowers are really not appropriate for a Jewish service. And that's what surprised me. I would not have known that. And I'm glad I know that now. (laughs) You know, and after the burial, the immediate family, you know, will sit in mourning for, will sit what they call shiva. And that's usually for seven days at home. 
another, even when I was researching more, because my good friend Eddie Drexler in Atlanta, Georgia, she serves most of the Jewish families, but of course the yarmulkes so that the men will wear. But uh, Shiva also, you can do a call. You, you take dessert, fruit, and kosher food baskets are traditional instead of flowers. And the flowers are just not appropriate even for Shiva call when you go to the family's home afterwards. Mm. Yeah, so very different. And here you start with the different cultures and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get to like the Buddhists, you mm-hmm. know, uh, totally different white flowers, you know, are very traditional for the Buddhist services. Uh, sending red flowers or gifts of food are considered poor funeral etiquette in the Buddhist faith. I see Daphne over here going, I probably, I didn't know that either. <laughs> and, and the funeral service is usually conducted by a monk at mm-hmm. the funeral home. And white is worn by the grieving family and friends often wear, wear black. Uh, and friends can call at the home of the deceased family after the funeral, but not before. You call after the funeral and not before. Okay. So that's interesting, you know, mm-hmm. the different things that we do. Exactly. And so so with all these different ones, one thing I don't see on here, and I um, only can imagine that it's indicative that it's not a large part of our population, and that would be Native Americans yes. and mm-hmm. their burial beliefs. and Very traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see Native Americans, uh, the African-American, you know, uh, some of the most homegoing services I ever have uh, have been African American services, and I had the honor of serving uh, a Native American uh, at our Snellville Chapel. He was a chief out of New New York, and I learned a lot through them. Uh, the medicine man and his wife actually came and stayed and spent the night with this gentleman who was the chief. Now, I'll tell you something very interesting for our listeners. Of course, we have a cleaning crew that comes in afterwards and cleans up, you know, after our visitations. And the, the medicine man the next day told me, so Miss Valerie said, I want to let you know that uh, we spoke to the cleaning people, but the other loved ones here that were in the hallway, we didn't speak to them. There was no one there. So it shows the spirits that are mm-hmm. still there. Right. And we've always heard that spirits will hover when, when they haven't resolved that death. Mm-hmm. So when I had a Native American medicine man sitting with a chief, I thought, you know, there's something to this. That's right. And we've even heard our staff uh, at night say they've come in and they've heard voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people say, well, does that scare y'all working with, with loved ones? Like, not at all. I'm not scared of those. I'm scared of the people that are living, really, <laughs> not, not the people that right. we're serving. <laughs> that's right, because the uh, spirits learn how to coexist with us. That's exactly the right. The living, not so sure. I've heard of uh have you ever seen well tell us one of the funniest stories of of a service i I, you know i mean you hear about the kind where people are fighting in the back and Uh things like that but uh what would say well families do get at odds with each other (laughs) i can tell you about that they really do but i i guess it was years ago we served a family and a gentleman uh had moved here from oregon and uh he was in a in a a nightclub in uh, altercation and he got killed and uh, his family here handling the arrangements uh, asked us if we could take him to the cemetery in his truck that he really loved. And we said, absolutely. Now, being from Oregon, he was a Mason. And they asked us to have the Masonic rites at the cemetery. 
So we handle the service, take him to the cemetery in his personal truck, you know, casket in the back. And the next day, the worshipful master that did the Masonic Rites called my dad and said, well, Mr. Wages, does the family have some type of financial issues? We noticed you had to take him in his truck to the cemetery. And my dad said, not at all. That was his wish. So that kind of started the shift in what we call now the personalization of services, right. doing whatever the family wants us to do. Uh, we've handled fireman services where the casket actually goes on top of the fire truck. So you see a lot of symbolism in the person's life, what they've done in their life that relates to the meaning and in uh, the honor of it to get the family through, mm-hmm. you know, this most difficult time in their life. life. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that is so much more common than this, but there's a country song out there, and I'm not sure what it's called at the moment, but the gist of it is two black Cadillacs, where basically two different women are showing up at the uh, funeral. <laughs> yes. uh, w- so. We have asked to do some private things in, in our career, uh, Victoria, to be honest with you, like one coming in one door and one going out the other door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and a lot in our profession is the confidentiality of the family, but I keep saying one day, a good friend of mine, we keep saying one day we're going to write a book and say, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> that's you right. Know? That's right. But you did mention the um, firefighters yes. um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the clergy. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to being aware of, being sensitive to and being able to cater to all the different religious uh, beliefs and customs, you also, at your funeral services, um, you also provide very personalized services for clergy. Yes. And mm-hmm. can you tell me about that, what y- you well, do? Well, we, we look at uh, a clergy person, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we feel our profession is a ministry and definitely a, a clergy person that serves families all of their life. And we offer, you know, uh, discounted services to those clergy people, even a mm-hmm. spouse of a clergy person. It's our way of giving back and showing that we appreciate the service that they've given to their community, which, which we think is very, very important. Which you also do for public servants, active duty military, firefighters, police officers, yes, yes. EMS. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's wonderful. Um, and then the one that really catches me is your wages cherub service. And I can hardly talk about it without getting goosebumps. Um, But this is, tell me about that. Tell. Well, you know, uh, is we've been in business here in the county a long time. And my dad always, you know, stressed to us that you need to help people, you know. And uh, as we look at uh, young couples that uh, have a child and uh, unfortunately God has called that little one back home, uh, we, we give those services free of charge, all of our services. Uh, the family would just have to take care of a burial spot if they choose to bury mm-hmm. uh, their their little child. Uh, m- merchandise is just what it is, you know. So we just figure our services should be free of charge. And then as we look at even smaller children as we go up, we, we talk to families, and we're going to help that family. It's just the right thing to do, we feel like. yeah. Well, I know that when I was um, in the process of creating my family, mm-hmm. and we were pregnant, and um, we had a medical procedure, the amniocentesis, which is something that's done regularly for people over the age of 35. Right. And there's such a low risk of um, of losing the child. 
that, you know, you just do it. Um, but we did lose our child after we had the amnio. And I remember that, you know, you've got the situation going on. You're not even thinking about what happens next until yeah. the um, bereavement nurse comes in and says, what do you want to do? Bury, mm -hmm. cremated, or mm -hmm. whatever. And it was the first time somebody had, it had even, you know, been brought up to us. And, you know, after, and it doesn't matter what your financial situation is. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. No. But, for example, we had paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to even create this child to then think about, mm -hmm. you know, what are we going to do at this point? How are we going to pay for it? So mm -hmm. it is just, you know, so generous uh, that you provide that service. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you see most of the funeral homes across the country, um, you know, like in any profession, Victoria, you have good funeral directors, bad funeral directors, good lawyers, bad lawyers. There's and no I, bad lawyers. No, not at all. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> but but your reputation speaks a lot to you, who you are, and how you're involved in the community. And, um, you know, we even consult with families, you know. Uh, we have a lot of family, very mobile society today, and we talk to couples that have lost a child about doing maybe a cremation that way their child can go and move with them and as I mentioned earlier the hand or the thumbprint we do a lot of those for uh, the parents and it becomes that physical remembrance you know you right. mentioned to me you did that for your dad mm -hmm. a thumbprint but a lot of people need something physical to have you know after they've lost that loved one so right. A lot of different choices and things that we consult, offer to families. You know, we feel like we are people that provide information and then we step back and let those family make their own choices, what, what they need to get through it. Well, you are a staple in our community. And how are people able to get in touch with Tom M. Wages? Yeah, our website, you know, our price list, everything's on our website. That is www.wagesfuneralhome.com. Uh, we have two locations, our Lawrenceville Chapel. Uh, that phone number is 770-963-2411. And then our Snellville Chapel, that was built in 1984. Uh, that's 770-979-3200. But our website, we're proud of our website. We give a lot of grief support material there. Uh, you can go on our website and just about find anything you need to, to get you started, pre-arrangements. And I think it's very important for people... Uh, Talking about Daphne, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of people go away from the church today, mm -hmm. but they need to come back. Uh, they need that faith base to get them through probably the most difficult time in their life when they lose someone to death. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's very important to talk to your family members about what your wishes are. And it's really a gift that when that time comes that your family members know what you want to be done. And Daphne and I were talking about that earlier. Yeah, mm -hmm. It is a gift because, you know, I'm such a believer in pre-arrangement yes. for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, one, you don't have to go through all that emotional trauma when you're already uh, grieving. Yes. Uh, but it is a gift you can give to someone else's. I've taken care of it. You don't have to do it. Um, yeah, it and, is. you know, I mean, let's economically, it sometimes can be less expensive because it, it <laughs> you're, it, you're not buying emotionally at that point. Well, that's true. And that's <laughs> so, a very very important point. Do it ahead of time. Yeah. Make your choices. Yeah. Set it aside with a funeral home and lock in those prices. Right. It can be a big difference. Right. Well, thank you so much, Valerie, for sure. sharing all that information with us. Thank you. You are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. And now we are going to shift to our Senior Salute moment, where we highlight a particular senior. And today, 
the senior is not in the studio with us because she is deceased and she is one of my very first clients that I had and I'm saluting her because she lived the way she wanted to live. Unfortunately, I will share also that she did not die the way she wanted to die. And that's just as important when we're saluting someone's life is that we understand the whole part of that and death is part of life. But she is a woman who lived independently. She worked independently. She had children. But when it came to the senior part of her life, she chose to live with friends and she chose to live carefree and that wasn't always accepted to everyone in her life which did make it isolating sometimes and she then was at the end of her life just going to the hospital for a regular well a heart attack (laughs) but not one that she died from and I remember when she contacted me uh, she was in the hospital and she needed some documents put in place, some legal documents, because many people wait for a crisis to happen. And that was her crisis. She had a heart attack. And she had her neighbor who was willing to be her health care power of attorney and her financial power of attorney. And, and he was a godsend to her. The unfortunate thing is that while she did reach out and she did start putting her affairs in order, and while it is you know, not uncommon for a lawyer to take several days to turn documents around, prepare them and turn them around. Unfortunately, she passed away two days later before signing documents. And how that affected her death was that she was indigent, meaning she was on the state um, for help for her health care. And they could not contact her children. And because we had not signed the power of attorney for health care, her only wish really was to be cremated. But in the state of Georgia, unless the next of kin authorizes cremation, which they could not contact the next of kin, she had to be buried. And because she was indigent, she was buried in the state lot uh, that Georgia provides. And in honor of her, in honor of the relationship I was able to build with her in that short period of time, I went to that funeral, which consisted of the man who was driving the backhoe, digging the grave, and one other geriatric care management person uh, who was a caregiver, and then also myself. And it took about seven minutes, and we said our prayer, and we went on. And so it doesn't matter what someone did during their lifetime and where they are when they're passed away. We can always salute their efforts and their life. And my goal is to help people live with quality of life and with dignity. And she went out with dignity because there were there there were people there with her. Um, her neighbor uh, was there at the end with her as well. So I appreciate Daphne you sharing your experience with being a caregiver, and Valerie with yours is how you help people uh, through those difficult times in their life. And I want to thank our guests and our listeners. We salute you. <music>